everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So if the worship team was Honeymoon Hill and Mark was Reality Valley, do I get to be Marvelous Mountain? Awesome. That's great. I'm pumped about that. Thank you. Thank you for that honor, Mark. Um, so we're talking about koinonia, and uh, koinonia is uh, the term, a Greek word that is, means to share, sharing within a common community. Um, so if in your Bible, you're reading your Bible, it oftentimes will say fellowship. So anytime you see uh, the word fellowship or even the word sharing, which is what we're going to uh, look at today, it's, it's that word, that Greek word koinonia. Um, and so we, like Mark mentioned already, setting it up perfectly. Um, we, in any relationship, any kind of community that we are in, it starts out in a honey, on a honeymoon hill. Uh, this is great. This is amazing. This is fun. This is good. And then oftentimes what happens in relationships, and, and this is true for, you know, ma- marriage, you know, relationships, you know, a honeymoon stage, marriage relationships, coworkers, friends, colleagues, and specifically what we're talking about over the last few weeks is church, is our, our church fellowship. And so oftentimes it looks good, then, then letdown happens, we get into, you know, reality valley, and, and we start to notice some things that we wish we didn't notice, and see things we just didn't see, and, and people start to, what we think is their true colors coming out, which is the reality of life, because we're broken people, that's the reality. But then what we need to do is oftentimes the, the tendency is to kind of get, want to get back to the honeymoon hill stage. Uh, but that's not the direction to go. We got to get back to a better place, a higher mountain, marvelous mountain. And uh, the way that we do that is by serving one another, serving one another. And that requires sacrifice. That requires being selfless. And then ultimately, you'll, you'll discover who you really are in Christ, your, your, your true identity in Christ. You'll, there'll be a major self-discovery uh, for you and for others. And it's, a, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So Today, uh, we're, we're going to kind of uh, come around a few passages. Um, we've been looking at, over the last few weeks, this letter that the Paul wrote uh, to the church in Corinth, his, his, uh, his first letter that he wrote to church in Corinth. And, and again, the church in Corinth church was kind of a messy church. Uh, they didn't have it all together, similar to a lot of churches, uh, every church really, because it's made up of messy people. And so Paul's writing this letter, and he's, he's trying to like, you know, again, just correct some of their faulty thinking, their bad theology, uh, their, their behavior, some of the things that they, you know, thought were, were true or real, and he was sort, sort of trying to correct that. And so he gives an example, and, and we're going to come around this here uh, in a few minutes. He says, for I have received from the Lord that which I, so, I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And so that on the very night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, um, he gathered around with the disciples. They met in an upper room, and, and he, they took, he took bread, it says. And this is, Paul's recording this and reminding them of this. He says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he says, Paul says this, he says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance 
of me. And so the, the picture that Paul is wanting to remind um, the, the church in Corinth, and it's a picture that I want us to be reminded of, and, and, and that is this, is that the disciples, and we talked about this, you know, a few weeks ago, the disciples were so vastly different from each other. They, were, they had so many different, you know, personal ideologies. They had, you know, different, different family upbringings, different experiences, which is, which is a beautiful picture of the church. We all come from different backgrounds, different experiences, different ideologies, different, you know, viewpoints, different framework in which we see life. And so we all come from a different place. And so Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, gathered around this table with these guys who were, had all these different different perspectives and different points of view. And, but yet the, the point that, G, that Jesus is trying to make and the, the point that Paul is trying to remind this church of and that we need to be reminded of is this, is that we have a reserved seat at the banquet table of the new covenant love. So here's, here's a, the idea is, is this. Just like the disciples, that night, the night in which he was betrayed, gathered around a table together and they gathered around this idea of this new covenant love for one another this new covenant love for one another and that new covenant love Jesus explains on that very night and we we we've been reading it in John 13 right John 13:34 he says a new commandment that I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you and then Jesus on that very night on that very night took a a, a, a basin of water and a towel, and he washed his disciples' feet. And, and, and they were uncomfortable with that, obviously. And as they're washing his feet, he said, he's saying things to them like, as I've washed your feet, you ought to be washing one another's feet. I give this to you as an example. This is an example. He says, just like I'm washing your feet, I want you to wash other people's feet. I want you to know that you have a reserved seat at the banquet table of this new covenant love. Listen, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. It was true about them and it's true about us. The only reason... The only reason why you and I have a reserved seat at the banquet table, it's not about worth, it's about rebirth. The only reason why you and I get to sit around the table uh, uh, and, and with Jesus and exhibit that kind of new covenant love is because, not because you deserve it or I deserve it, amen? But because you are born again into the family of God, into the community that God created, and he's, in, he's invited you to have a reserved spot at his table. Not because you earned it, but because he earned it. And he wanted you, and he's invited you and me to sit around his table and the picture of that is a beautiful picture of that is found in the uh, Old Testament scriptures. And David has now just become king. And the king before him was, was a man by the name of Saul. And, and Saul died and many of Saul's family died. But David still wanted to uh, invite somebody in Saul's family to his, his dinner table. 
King David wanted to invite people to his, his table. And so he asked, he says, is there anybody in Saul's family still alive? And they reported back to David that there was a young boy who they said was dropped at birth. It says that he was dropped at birth and he was a crippled young boy. And his name was, hang on, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Okay, anybody familiar with that name? I can't wait for one day for somebody to come to me and say, Pastor, here's our son. His name is Mephibosheth. Would you dedicate him? Would you dedicate him? I'd be like, amen, that's amazing. Like, I, would, I look forward to that day. And so here come, they invite, so he invites Mephibosheth, crippled Mephibosheth. I'm just gonna keep saying it. If I don't, I'm just gonna mess it up and get tongue-tied even more. And so he invites Mephibosheth to the table, at the king's table, though he was, you know, not worthy of it, crippled, all the, you know, the, the nuances that go on, go with that in that culture. He invited, he was invited to the king's table. The picture is this. Here's the picture in the, uh, in the Old Testament. The picture is we also are broken, cripple people, not worthy to be invited to the king's table. But guess what? Your name is written. You show up to weddings and you see your name on the table and you're like, table 16. I don't know if that's one in the back, but at least I'm in the room, right? You got your name. I don't know where you're seated in heaven. I don't know, but here's what I know. You're in if you are reborn. You're in if you are reborn. And you didn't deserve it. Not by worth, but it's by rebirth. And if you are born again, you get in and you have a reserved seat at the table in heaven around the throne of Jesus with King Jesus. Is anybody excited about that at all? All right, good. So here's some things that Paul wrote as, as in, in, in regards to what is it that gets us at the table? What is it that the, almost the, the, the benefits of being at the table? Well, Paul wrote some things and it reminded them of their history, which is in turn also our history as, as well. He says, he says I, for I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers... We're all under the cloud. Now, again, you got to remember, this is to, written to a church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth were primarily, just like our church, they were primarily Gentiles. They were primarily Gentiles. But still, Paul is saying, even though you're not Jewish and you're a Gentile, you still are a part of Abraham's family. You're, you're still a part of Abraham's, from, from a spiritual line, you're still a part of Abraham's family. So from the beginning of time, from you know, the beginning of, of the promises and the covenant that God made with Abraham are also the promises that we have. They're the promises that we get. And so here's what he's saying to them. He says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers, like Father Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? You know these names. We're all under the cloud. They're all under the cloud, which meant, here's what that meant. That meant that at the time when the nation of Israel was brought out of captivity in Egypt, 
They were under what he called this under the cloud. That means that, that they were under this, this cloud, and, and, and it's described in the Old Testament. It's described as a, as a cloud by day, and then at night there was a pillar of fire by night. So they would, they would, the nation of Israel would know where to go, that, that God was leading the nation of Israel. They would know where to go based on this cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. And so the picture is that they were shaded from the heat of the day by the cloud and that they were warmth, they were given, you know, warmth by the fire at night as they were leading. And so the picture that we see is this, is that the cloud represents the presence of God. That's what it represented, the presence of God. Boy, isn't it, wouldn't it be a little bit helpful for us today to know, like, where is God going? Where is God going? What is God doing, right? To have a cloud just go with us wherever we went, like, we, there's the cloud. All right, there, like, there's the fire. Oh, good. Okay, there's where God's at, right? It would be so much easier. But here's the here's principle for us in the new covenant. Here's the principle for us in the new covenant. The presence of God is always with you. The presence of God is always with you. As a matter of fact, we should even stop praying prayers like, God, would you just go with me? God, would you just go with me? And God's in heaven going, I'm already with you. I'm already in you. That's the presence of God. The only reason why you and I get to be invited around the table of God is because we have the presence of God in us. And so he reminded them that. And then it goes on to say this. Verse 1 still. And they all passed through the sea, right? So, so at, on, on a couple different occasions, the, the Israelites, that God turned, as the, as the song says, that God turned the sea into a highway, that God parted the sea, right? He parted the sea and he turned it into a highway so that the nation of Israel, and then when the, when the enemies came, followed the nation of Israel, the Israelites through the sea, and when God did a miracle and he parted the sea, and then the enemies followed and then the sea closed up on them, right? And destroyed God's enemy, which shows the what? The power of God. The power of God. That the picture here is this. Is that God has delivered you and I out of captivity. And he's brought you through only because of his power. Not your power. Not your strength. Not your might. Not your ability. But only because of the power of God. That you can have victory over sin. That the sea sea was parted and God made a way. And Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father unless it's through me. And so here's here's the picture. The picture is God's people can enter through the way and then God closes on our enemies and you and I have victory over our sin and that's the power of God in us. The only reason why you and I get a spot at the table is because of the presence and the power, but he wasn't done. Verse two, and they all, they all were baptized. Now, we're gonna look at it a couple more verses and you're gonna notice this, this all. He says it five different times, all, all, which includes all of us. We've all experienced this. We all have these blessings. And they all were baptized into Moses, into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And so here's what, 
here's what the picture that he's trying to say is this. In the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, God's people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, they, their identifier, their identifier was in Moses. And so their, their identifier and who they, you know, who they revered was, was Moses and, and the law, okay? But here's what Paul's saying. We ha- have now a greater Moses. The Hebrew writer says that. We have a greater Moses. They all were baptized and they identified with Moses and the law in the cloud and in the sea. But here's, here's what Paul is reminding them. We now have a new person that we identify with, and his name is Jesus. That in the new covenant love, that there's a greater Moses, and that's Jesus. And even Moses would say that. Moses would say, he's greater than I. There's a greater person that we identify with. Listen, Christianity is not a religion, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity, the way that Jesus intended it, was it for be, to be a relationship with a person named Jesus. And the only reason why you're invited to the table is not because of religion. The only reason that you and I are invited to the table is because you have a personal relationship with him. Jesus. Now, that's our identifier. So therefore, your identity and my identity is not in Moses or the law, but our identity is in Jesus. Our identity is in who Jesus says we are, and that's what gets us a spot at the table. He's not done. Verse 3. And they all, there it is again, they all ate the same spiritual food. They all ate, and so they ate what was called manna. They ate manna, okay? And so what that is saying is, here's what, here's what Paul's reminding him, that he, he's also for our provision. He's also our provider. He's also wanting to meet needs. He's also wanting to care for you and me. So he's our provision. They all ate from the same. So as they're going through the wilderness, as they're traveling through the desert, and there's a cloud, and he parts the seas, and he, and he you know, ident- gives them a new identifier. It's not Moses anymore. It's now the person of Jesus. He's also saying, and as they walk through the wilderness, as they walk through the desert, as they were walking through difficult times, is this true for anybody in there in right now? And as you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as you're walking through reality valley, He's got provisions. He's your provider. He is going to give you some spiritual food that you need. He did it for them, and he wants to do it for you. He goes on to say this. And all drank the same spiritual drink. So not only did they have food, but they had they had water. They all drank from the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them. Now, I read that and I thought, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, come to find out, come to find out. Now, Scripture is, leaves us in the dark on this a little bit. 
a little bit. But Paul possibly, now this is just conjecture, okay? This is not, you know, doctrine. This is not necessarily, you know, founded based on Scripture. But this is, this is conjecture. J- the Jewish uh, fathers, they believed and, and up until the time that Paul was writing this letter, they believed that there was literally a rock that followed them as the nation of Israel. This is, this is Jewish legend. This is Jewish tradition. And they believed that all the way up until this, this time. And, and many still believe. So I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Like a rock just following them, like a rolling rock, like following them as they go. And then at any time that they needed, they could draw water from that rock. And it started when God told Moses to strike the rock. Remember, remember that story in the Old Testament? God told Moses to strike the rock. And when he did that, water come, came shooting out of the rock. Okay? And so from that point on, according to Jewish, <clears throat> Jewish tradition, a rock would follow them over a 40-year period, and any time that they needed water, that rock would provide water. You're like, that sounds weird. But <clears throat> does it sound any more strange than a cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night? Does it f- sound any more strange than a sea turning into a highway? No, I don't think so. So you're looking at me. I can see your face is like, really, a rolling rock? Come on, like. But we, we can buy a sea parting, and we can buy a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, but we can't buy into the fact that there was a rolling rock. I'm, it sounds good to me. I don't know if it happened, but it sounds good to me. So here's what, and that's what Paul's saying. And, and here's, but here's Paul's using this now. So if that happened, listen, listen to me. If that happened, if that happened, and a rock followed them, here's what Paul says. It's about preservation. In other words, every time that that rock followed and they needed water, it was to preserve them. It was to preserve them. It was to preserve them. And then here's what he says. And the rock was Christ. And the rock was Christ. He says, listen, I don't know if before Jesus came and took on flesh and blood that he became a stone. I don't know. But all here's what I know. He says, I want you to know this. I want you to know this, that just like a spiritual rock followed them and they provided and they protected and they were a preservation for them, I want them to know that that rock was Christ. And I, here's what you need to know. Anytime you, anywhere you go and every place you go, you need to know that you have a protector and you have a, have a preserver and he is Christ and he is your rock. He's your rock. So the only reason why you and I are invited to the table is not because of our worth, but because of our rebirth. It is because of the the power of God. It is because of the person of Jesus. It is because of that he is our provision, and he is our protector, and he is our preserver. That's the reason why you and I get to be at the table with King 
Jesus. That's the reason. We, we get that. So we all are invited to the king's table. And while we're at the king's table, we have received the bread and the cup of life. While we're at the king's table, we've received the bread and the cup of life. Now, here's what Paul says next in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's what he says. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. He says, I want you to flee from idolatry. And then look what he says next. Is the cup of blessing which we bless not a sharing? And that word sharing means koinonia. In the blood of Christ? Is the bread which we break not a sharing koinonia? In the body of Christ? Verse 17. Since there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So I, a few weeks ago, I brought a loaf of bread, remember? But the picture is more like this, more than what I showed you know, a few weeks ago, but the, because the picture is more like this. Why? Because this is unleavened bread, and we talked about, remember last week, I talked about a little bit of leaven. I thought maybe it was a couple weeks ago. I can't remember. A little bit of leaven. Leaven's the whole lump, right? And so when we, when we have communion together, which we're going to have in a second, more than a second, a few seconds. The, the picture is more like this than it is like a loaf of bread. And he says that just like we, we are one body, one body, we all partake of one loaf. So this is, this is a picture of the church. This is a picture of the, of the body of Christ. And we are just a piece of that. You are a piece, and I am a piece of that. We are one loaf, which are many, are one body, for we partake of one loaf. And then he goes on to say this. <clears throat> he says, look at the people of Israel. Are those who eat the sacrifices not partners? Again, that same, that word partners, koinonia, in the altar. Now, what does he, what does he mean by that? Here's what he means. Verse 20. But I say... That things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become partners, koinonia, with demons. Verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Okay, so here's here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you can't mix the the two. You can't say, you know, I'm drinking from the cup of the Lord. You can't say, I'm drinking from the cup of the Lord. And also you're partaking of and drinking from the cup of demons. So he says, it's possible, it's possible that you could have community one way or another. You can have community when it comes to things that are detrimental to you as well. You can, you can find community in things that are harmful to you or hurtful to you. You can find and be in relationship, and he even uses the same word koinonia. You can even find koinonia outside of the will and the plan of God. And that's why he says right away, he says, listen, 
You need to flee from idolatry. You need to flee from idolatry. Here's the way that Tim Keller defines idolatry in his book, Counterfeit Gods. An idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. And anything that you seek to give, you seek to give you what only God can give. And so this is what becomes an idol for us. And so it's easy for us. Listen, listen. We are, we are, made, we are made by God as, as worshipers. Okay? Listen. Worship, our worship, is never the issue. Worship is never the issue. Because here's what I know, and here's, it's true for me. When I lock into something that I enjoy and I love, boy, I am enthusiastic about it. I spend a lot of time with it, and I spend a lot of money on it. And at times, you can see me get really pumped up about it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right object. Because here's the, here's the thing. Worship is not the issue. It's not the quality of our worship that's the problem. You know what the problem is for many of us? It's the object. It's the object. It's the object of our worship. And we could go on and on and say it's your career. It's your stuff. It's your money. It's a habit. It's a hobby. It's a, you know, personal appearance, physical appearance. It, it, it could be, we could go on and on and on and list all the potential possible things that could be, and, and I know we don't say it in these terms like they did then, but it could be an idol. And I, I, I hear people all the time, well, I'm not really a singer in church, you know, I'm not one to kind of throw my hands up in the air and listen to all this and get all excited and that, this and that. But man, when you're watching a football game of your favorite team, I'll challenge you on that. Because when your team's winning or your team's losing, whatever way it is, you get pretty emotional. So it's not worship that's the problem. It's the object of our worship. So some questions, some questions for you and me. Questions to ask ourselves. Do I love or treasure anything or anyone more than God? I hope not. Another question that you have to ask yourself, do I prioritize anything or anyone before God? Nope. Let me just say this. I say this a lot. I say this a lot. Your spouse makes for a terrible idol. Your kids make for terrible gods. Your grandkids are not worthy of your worship I'll move on. <laughs> Does anything bring me more pleasure than the things of God? Let me ask you one more. Do I place my identity in anything over my status as a child of God? 
These are questions for us to ask. And so Paul says it this way in in his letter to the church in Romans. For they, for they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Amen. Let's not be people who are drinking from the cup of the Lord, but also, and I know we wouldn't say it in these terms, but also from the cup of demons. Let's not be people that are fence sitters, that have one foot on one side of the things of God, but our other foot on the other side of the world. Let's not make anything, anyone, our treasure. Let's not be enthusiastic or passionate about anything more than we are about our personal relationship with Jesus. Let's not be people who worship creatures or created things more than we worship our Creator who is blessed forever. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Jesus said it this way. I've got something better for you. I've got something better for you. I've got something better than this world can offer. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry. And the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. Listen, you and I are invited to the table. You have a seat at the table. It's not because of your worth. It's because of your rebirth. And at the table, he's saying, listen, I've got bread of life for you. I've got a drink that you'll never, ever thirst again. You'll never find it in this world. You'll never find it in yourself. You'll never find it in something that was created. You'll only find fulfillment and satisfaction in Jesus. Jesus said, you want to never be hungry? You come to me. You want to never be thirsty? You come to me. I am the bread of life. I am the one that you'll never be hungry. You will never thirst again. That's who he is. Worship the creator more than the creature. He's the bread of life. You have all that you need in this life in Jesus. So take, take from him. He's the bread. Take the cup of the Lord because you'll never thirst again. Oh, there's a lot of wells you can go to. There's a lot of wells you can draw from. This world offers a lot that tell, it tells you, it tells me, hey, try this. Try this. You'll never be better. Try this. You'll have the best night of sleep. Try this. Your viewing experience will be like you've never had before. Try this. You'll have everything at your disposal in the palm of your hands. And we buy into it because we think the next best, better, brighter, shinier, newer thing will bring to us what our soul needs. And Jesus is in heaven going, no, no. 
I am, I am the bread of life. Amen. And you drink from my cup, you'll never be thirsty again. Third thing, we have a responsibility to be a blessing in the community we live. Here's what Paul says next, 1 Corinthians 10. All things are permitted. Now, Paul is actually taking from a, a phrase that was common in that city in Corinth. That phrase was used often in Corinth, and they would say things like, all things are permitted. All things are permitted. It was just this hedonistic, humanist that we talked about a few weeks ago. This hedonistic, all things are permitted. All things are good. All things are pleasurable. I, 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 I. It's all, it was all self, selfish, self-motivated. It was all, and so Paul says, listen, all things are permitted, but, he says that a lot, not all things are of benefit. Then he says this again, all things are permitted, but not all things build people up. So sure, all things are, you have freedoms in Christ, all things are permitted, but don't abuse that grace. Don't abuse that grace. Yeah, all things are permitted, but not all things are for your benefit. And not only that, it's not really even about your benefit. It's about the benefit, and it's about building up one another. Listen, as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, as somebody who lives as a Christian in this community, you and I have a responsibility, and that is to build up one another, to benefit, to be a benefit to one another. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Then he goes on to say this in verse 24. No one is to seek his own advantage, but rather that of his neighbor. This is Christian. This is what Christians do. Verse 33. Just as I also please everyone in all things, not seeking my own benefit, but of the many. Of the many. And then he says this. Is the cup of blessings which we bless not a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is the bread which we break not a sharing in the body of Christ? In other words, here's what, I, here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, when it comes to being a blessing and we have responsibility to be a blessing, that we need to be people who share koinonia, next slide, who share koinonia, a cup of blessing. So our responsibility, our responsibility as Jesus followers in our community that we live is to be a cup of blessing to our neighbors. That's our responsibility. That you, your, your calling, and as a Jesus follower, you, you and I need to ask ourselves, how are, how are we being a blessing to somebody? How are we being a blessing? Or Paul says, listen, maybe it's not that you're a cup of blessing, but maybe you're a share as a broken bread. That you're like, hey, I'm, I just want to, how, how can I like, 
you know, and again, I'm just a part of, remember, we're just a part of the body of Christ. And you're saying, I want to just let you know that I'm an individual broken piece of bread and I want to give my life to you for your benefit, for your benefit, for your benefit, for your benefit. So what does that look like? That looks like this. It looks like that we build up one another. That we build up one another. So that, that idea of building up one another, and we can take that when, when, when we look at the, the, the story of creation. And when the story of creation, when God built all that we see, when he, God built his creation, it says that he spoke it into existence. He spoke it into existence. So you, do you know the most practical thing that you and I can do to build one another up? Is to say something to them as a word of encouragement. So that word, that phrase to say, anytime you see it in the Bible, when it means to, to say or to say or saying, it's the word Legos. 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 So I brought with me a couple Lego sets. This is, this is the, from the show Friends. This is now my second reference to the show Friends in this Koinonia series, just so you know. The show Friends is a show in the 90s, late 90s, okay? Anybody recognize it? You see, worship isn't the problem. Some of you were clapping that you're like, during the music, you're like, just stood there. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So here's the thing. When it comes to building one another up, it's just like a Lego set, right? It's just like a Lego set. Now, Friends, the show, like even the theme song we just heard, I'll be there for you even when the rain starts to fall. I'll still be there for you, right? If you know the song, okay? That's the whole idea. That's the whole idea. It's the idea of, hey, it's our words that we say that will begin to build one another up. It's our words of encouragement. It's our, it's our kind words. It's our actions that we exhibit. And then what happens is, just like this Lego set, we say, I'll be there for you. I want to build you up. My responsibility as a Jesus follower is to be a blessing in my community and with my neighbors. And so these characters, if you watch, ever watch any of the episodes of the show, they, it, they, for the most part, they wanted to build each other up. They wanted to see each other succeed. They wanted, to, they wanted the best for each other. That's what they wanted. And so just like that. Now, I also have another set from a show in the 90s, and this is my personal set, okay? And this is Seinfeld. This is from the show Seinfeld. Do we have that theme song? Yep, okay. Perfect, perfect. Okay. They did the opposite. 
of building one another up. Have you ever watched the show Seinfeld, which is one of my favorite shows? Okay. They had, now listen, here's, here's, the, here's the point. Friends had relationship. They had koinonia. They built each other up too. But they also had koinonia. But they weren't really much about building each other up, were they? They were more about tearing each other down. They were mostly, for the most part, out for themselves. And so you can build up or you can tear down. You can tear down. And I got, I got to tell you, and I'm not going to do it, but I got to tell you, it's, it takes a lot longer to build this than it does to destroy this. It takes a lot longer to build this. And all I have to do is just do one move and drop this, and guess what's going to happen? All the pieces. All the pieces are going to go. So you can have koinonia, but you can have it one way, what he says, the cup of the Lord, or you can have it in another way, a worldly way, which he describes as the cup of demons. So we're to build one another up. We're also to benefit one another. We're to be a benefit to one another. He says, First uh, Corinthians ten thirty three. Just as I also please everyone in all things, not seeking my own benefit, but and then he goes on to say this: the benefit of many. Why? Why, Paul? Why, Paul? So that they may be saved. Yes. Do you know why? Do you know why we do what we do? You know why? Let me, let me be specific. Let me be specific. Do you know why the church is meant to be a blessing in our community? Let me get even more specific. Do you know why Market Street Church has a responsibility to be a blessing in this community and with our neighbors? Let me be more specific. Do you know why you individually, you, you, I'm talking to you, I'm pointing at you, I'm looking at you, 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 collective, you, 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 and then us collectively coming together and being a blessing in our community to our neighbors so that they may be saved. Let me get really specific. Do you know why you should participate in trunk or treat? I'm coming at you. Do you know why you should participate in trunk or treat? Because we're not trying to just hand out candy. To kid, we, we, I, listen, listen, listen. I, I hope none of our guests that are watching right now get this wrong. It's not, we, we could care less about the candy. It's about getting people to Jesus. And so if we could try to leverage something and take something that is, li, listen, 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 I get it. Something that is broken 
something that came from wrong origin, something that came from evil or bad. I get it. But if we can take what God did, just like what God did for you, he took you and then he took you that were bad and then he redeemed you and then he made you good. Why? So that you can be saved. The reason why we have trunk or treat and events like it is not because it's cool to just pass out candy to 700 plus kids. No, we want to, in the name of Jesus, give a piece of candy so that maybe that kid one day will go, hey, I went to a pretty cool event that a church hosted and I've tried to find everything and anything in this world and it never satisfied, but I did hear that Jesus is the bread of life, that he is the cup that no one will ever thirst again. Maybe I'll try that church. And you know what they're going to hear when they show up to this church? They're going to hear about Jesus. By the way, has anybody heard about Jesus yet today? You absolutely. I am not shy about Jesus. He is my bread of life. He is the cup in which I drink, and I will never thirst again. We just want to use these events to be a tool for the kingdom of God so that people, let me get, let me get really honest, and this isn't popular, and this doesn't build churches by what I'm about to say. Heaven is a real place, and hell is a real place. Heaven is a real place and hell is a real place. Every one of us are made for eternity and will land somewhere. Either heaven or hell. And so if we, if we, we have to figure out to be a people who are missional, a people that are intentional about making sure that human beings who are eternal human beings find their forever in the blessed care of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Right? You and I have a responsibility to be a blessing to our neighbor so that they may be saved from hell. Right? You are not worthy, and I'm not worthy, to be invited to the table. But it's not because of our worth. It's because of our rebirth. And you can find bread and something that will think you'll quench your thirst out there, but you'll never find it. It's only found at the table called the bread of life called the cup 
of the Lord. And you and I, you and I should want our neighbors to experience that reserved seat and to take the cup and the bread of life. So we're going to do anything we can to make sure that our neighbors in our community and our family members find that seat. Right? That's what we're doing. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We're going to have the Lord's Supper together because it just comes all the way back around to that. Because when you were unworthy, Jesus was worthy enough to die for your sins and for you to be forgiven of your sins when you put your faith in him. And he did that by breaking his body and he did that by shedding his blood. And the reason why we serve our community and the reason why we love our community is because for God so loved you. And he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. He shed his blood and he broke his body and he served you. So now, so here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. They're going to lead us and we are going to serve each other. We're going to serve each other. So I have, I only have one plate of broken up crackers. It started like this, but we're all a bunch of broken pieces of bread, aren't we? And Jesus broke his body and we are a bunch of broken individual pieces, but yet we're a part of one loaf, one loaf. And so here's what I want us to do. I'm just going to serve Jake first, and then Jake is going to serve somebody there, and there, and there, and you guys go, each person goes down the row and serves one another. So you just have to serve the person next to you. And then eventually, eventually, it's going to make its way over here, and then it's going to make its way upstairs, and we're going to do something similar with the cup, but we're not going to, we don't have one thing of cup. We have have three things of cup, and so we're going to start one on one side, one on the other side, and one upstairs with the cup, and we're just going to serve one another. Are you with me? Okay, you're going to serve one another, just like from one, listen to me, one broken piece to another broken piece. We're all a part of one big piece called the body of Christ. Amen. Okay. You just, here's what you do. You just take your bread. Once everybody has a piece of bread, you just hold it. And then once everybody has it, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Okay. And so we're going to make our, make this way down this row. Tony Randazzo, you're going you're gonna to get to be the last person, then you're going to make sure you're going to serve somebody on this side, okay? Okay, and then it's going to come all the way around. Katie, 
you're going to take it up to the balcony, and then they're going to do that, okay? All right. Lord, thank you for your broken body. Lord, thank you for your shed blood. God, we just, um, we're just like a bunch of broken pieces. But a bunch of broken pieces who fit together within this one body called the church. And this church, we're on mission. We're on mission. We're on mission to build up one another, to to be a benefit in our community. That's what we're on mission for. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that that's, we leave here remembering what you've done for us, and in turn, we do that for others. Remembering that you broke your body, you shed your blood for us, and we're going to in turn do that for others. That at the night in which you were betrayed, you took bread, and that night you, that you were betrayed, you, you washed the feet of the disciples, and you told them to, just as I've washed your feet, I want you to go and wash one another's feet. Yes. And God, that's what we're going to do. That's the church that we're going to be. We're our mission in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you hurting and broken within? Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of self? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Leave behind your Regrets and mistakes Come today There's no reason To wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows And trade them for joy From the ashes A new life is born Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus.
if you have your cup and your cracker, why don't you stand and sing with us, will you please? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Sing, oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a
balcony. Did you guys get a cracker yet? They're coming. It's coming up right now. So we're going to pray together as the balcony just makes sure everybody gets their cracker. All right, let's pray for the bread. Lord, you were bruised for our iniquities. Lord, you took a, the beating for us that the scripture says that you weren't even recognizable. God, you willfully laid yourself down on a cross. You thought of us. You put us before yourself. Under the banner of love. And God, I just thank you for the fact that you broke your body so that we can have a seat at your table as broken people. You reserved a spot with our name. And God, we can take this bread and this cup and God, we can um, know that the spiritual side of that, it, we'll never thirst again. We'll never be hungry again. And God, I pray, Lord, that we take that message from these seats, that we take it out to the streets, that we take it to our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, family members. Every opportunity that we can, God, just to simply build up and to benefit others. Build up and to benefit others, to serve and be a blessing to people in our lives. That's what you've called us. That's why you placed us here in this community. And Lord, we thank you for setting the example and giving more than we could even give and sacrificing more than we could ever sacrifice and being selfless more than we could even think to be selfless. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can partake of the bread. Lord, we thank you for your shed blood. It wasn't by perishable things such as silver and gold that were redeemed, but by your precious blood that you made a way for us that you purchased us. You purchased our debt so that we can be forgiven and we can be saved. We thank you for that cup of blessing that you were to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Partake of the cup. Lord, We'll continue to remember you and we'll continue to do this until one day you'll come back again. And then we'll no longer have a broken piece of cracker or a small cup of juice, but we'll be sitting 
at this marriage supper of the lamb, the worthy lamb that was slain for our sins in heaven. We thank you. We look forward to that day and that grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend, everybody.